Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 50 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Today on the podcast, the Fraser Museum in Louisville and their new exhibit, Commonwealth, Divided We Fall, takes visitors on a winding journey through the lives of everyday Kentuckians from pre-settlement to the early 1990s. Our guide is the Fraser's president and CEO, Andy Trinan. Andy, you've got an exciting new exhibit here at the Fraser Museum that you were very proud of, opened up uh, recently. Uh, tell me about, are you calling it the Commonwealth Exhibit? Yeah, the Commonwealth Divided We Fall, which is kind of the antithesis of the information inside, which really leads us to this conclusion that united we stand and that all the great successes in Kentucky history have been when we have worked as a united group. But uh, yeah, I'm incredibly proud about this, Bill. Our, our staff has done such an amazing job. It's very simple in that the motive for this was to create an exhibit about this land we now call Kentucky, where everyone sees themselves inside. Um, then doing that is not simple, because there's so much incredible diversity in this state of Kentucky, and a lot of traditional exhibits about the stories here have not been so diverse. And it's not just our museum, it's every museum. You know, the, the victors have often told historic stories. So we're telling all of these stories from very diverse perspectives. And, uh, and again, when you come here, I promise you, you will see yourself inside that exhibit in some way or another. I was here before the exhibit opened and quite honestly, it was only a few weeks before it opened. Uh, your people here at the Fraser Museum did a, a, an incredible job of getting everything ready. And then you told me that Governor Bashir was here to cut the ribbon and to get it started and to go through the entire exhibit. How'd you do that in such a short period of time? I would tell you, it's just like clockwork, Bill, and it's easy peasy and I never worry a thing <laughs> about it, but I'd be lying to you. Uh, we were, uh, I was nervous, our team kept telling me, we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay. Um, and we had a VIP opening, which allowed us to really fine-tune some things between that and the, and the public opening. But the public opening was on June 1st, which was Kentucky's 230th birthday. So it was an opportunity to invite uh, Governor Bashir here, and the First Lady was here. And we had a birthday cake. We celebrated Kentucky's 230th birthday in a way that hasn't been done before. Um, we celebrated with the Hill Sisters, who are Kentuckians who wrote the Happy Birthday song, the song that has um, been recited more than any in, in American history. Uh, so it was just an, a great opportunity to, uh, again, dive into this, this story about the Commonwealth and the Commonwealth is uh, has such an incredible impact on American history uh, and this exhibit uh, in so many ways talks about that but it starts long before we called this area Kentucky right there were there were native people living here tens of thousands of years um, before explorers came from the east and uh, and that's kind of where the exhibit begins um, both with a, an interactive uh, 
that shares creation stories from native people to artifacts and objects um, dating back 10,000 years. Uh, and there's some really cool things here that, that are, you know, 8,000 years before Christ. Um, and, and they're tangible things like there's a tattoo needle which is made from bird bones hmm. and sharpened on one end and they would put ink into it and that's how they would tattoo their skin. Um, and, and these were all uh, dug up in archaeological digs on this land we call Kentucky. Who developed the concept? What's the real genesis of the story? Uh, not that we uh, all uh, want to uh, ever deny that there is a uh, terrific story in, in the, the birth of a state, and, or even, as you said before, it was Kane Tuck yeah. um, up to present day. Um, who came up with the idea? Well, our team has been working at it for years, frankly. We had a permanent exhibit uh, that came down before the Hunger Games in 2017. A lot of the artifacts in that haven't been up since that time. Also since that time, we have rebranded to the museum where the world meets Kentucky. So we had to get a whole lot of objects and artifacts that we didn't have before. We are no longer a historic arms museum. so. We uh, have been acquiring and are still acquiring objects that, that feed those stories. And, and we are not capable of telling these stories in and of ourselves. So we do go outside of uh, our group here at the Fraser for um, information, for content. And we had guest curators, the Choctaw Nation, Chickasaw Nation. We have f uh, four different native tribes that helped us with that first story because it's really important that you get it right. Um, we have partnered with the Unknown Project on telling the story of the enslaved people here in the area and their, um, you know, their, their journey to freedom. We have the town clock church face, the original town clock church face, which was a church in New Albany that was both a destination and a symbol of freedom for people as they were making enslaved people as they are making their way across the Ohio River and into Indiana into free land. Why don't we um, go to the uh, Native American exhibit and, and let you uh, uh, tell our listeners uh, what they can see and uh, the research and history behind that. I would love that opportunity and then we'll take you into Civil War and industrialization and rural and urban Kentucky and all the great stories that are told down there. I'll have more with Andy Trinan of the Fraser Museum in Louisville after this word from our good friends at Spalding University. As a Kentucky humanities lover, you've heard of Spalding University's nationally distinguished MFA in creative writing. Now at the Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing, we've added two innovative programs in professional writing. Your career goals take center stage as you work one-on-one -on -one with a faculty mentor to gain the writing skills employer's prize. Learn more about our low residency master's and certificate in professional writing at spalding.edu forward slash writing or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Andy, we're in the uh, exhibit now um, and uh, a part of it that's uh, titled Europeans Arrive to Kentucky. Uh, how did the colonists get land in Kentucky? They're uh, it's so well laid out, and what you've done is, uh, is so interesting to the 
to the eye and hopefully to the ear too. So tell me about this and what, what you have here. Well, it's now, I think, commonly accepted, Bill, that uh, when Daniel Boone and other explorers came from the east into Kentucky, that there were already people here. That wasn't the discovery of the land, but it, it changed so much uh, about what this land became. We know that many of these uh, explorers had enslaved people with them, so we're very careful here at the Fraser to honor the explorers, but also say that the, they wouldn't have had the success that they can in managing these new lands if they didn't have the enslaved people, and we name those enslaved people as a part of uh, a part of those successes and and uh, a, a part of becoming, frankly, who we are as people now. What about? Um I see private surveys, preemption, uh, war veteran surveys. What, what, what is the survey material here? Well, it's important you know, to tell these stories as to how land was acquired. And, and there were you know, several different ways that that happened, some of them um, through the government, uh, and sometimes uh, you know, through war veteran surveys, land warrants, many different ways that uh, colonists got land in Kentucky and became landowners in Kentucky. Also important to point out that at the time that was, you know, white males who were getting land uh, in, in the area. This is before, uh, before the United States was uh, the United States of America as we know it um, in the 1700s, early 1700s, uh, until Kentucky became a state in 1792. And um, tell me about the, the Daniel Boone uh, portrait or painting or, um, and, and some of the Boone artifacts. Yeah, we've had this in our collection for, uh, for a long time. And uh, this is the Boone Family Bible, a, a, a great piece in our collection. And this is one of only three or four portraits that Daniel Boone actually sat for. Um, and it, it, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful piece, but it's a, a really good example of in this exhibit we have these built environments, we have uh, areas where you know kids can engage, and, and we'll see several examples of that. But we also have these incredible artifacts. We've got the oldest surviving Civil War monument in the world here in this exhibit, and we'll we'll stop that in, in just a little bit, uh, and it's placed right in front of an original Confederate flag because again mm. this was brother versus brother in Kentucky this was a, a divided state through the Civil War um, you know and, and, and this is the state that Lincoln knew he had to win uh, first of all to win the next presidency and yeah. also to um, to win the war. Well let's uh, continue to stroll and uh, you tell me what uh, you see and uh, what uh, the visitors uh, to the Fraser can take a look at. Yeah sure enough you know we talk in great detail about you know, life on the Kentucky colonies and, and why European colonists wanted to move to Kentucky. It was this beautiful, rich, incredible land with all of these waterways. There are more waterways in Kentucky than any other state in the United States than, uh, other than Alaska. And so water is, is a big part of this story. So this is, a, this is a, a ship that our group built, and this would have been traditional for the time, on the Ohio River. And uh, if you look out from this ship, this is a built ship that uh, our team built, but in the distance is an actual artifact, and that is the original town clock church there. And people can have that experience 
of understanding what that must have been like at the time to see that church and to make that uh, destination, that uh, target destination for someone to go from a, an enslaved to a free state. So we're looking at uh, from the ship uh, to the clock face and slave revolts uh, in Kentucky. What, what uh, have you found? Uh, uh, where did they occur and um, how, um, how did they come about? Well, I mean, they occurred all over the place. Um, there were, as we all know, there were people who were um, being held as property and um, we have this slave cabin back here where this is the side, there would have been 30 people who would have lived in this slave cabin. The Unknown Project is a partner in this. Shea Rhodes, the glass blown artist, famous glass blown artist in the state of Kentucky who created uh, these glass blown pieces inside to represent the life of a typical enslaved person living in these cabins and it's a cowbell and it's a spoon uh, and really what we want to represent is not just the typical enslaved story but something about the people and, and you'll see that consistently throughout this exhibit it is not just these people were enslaved it is a little bit about their culture and who they were and how they struggled and fought to try to keep their families together against incredible odds and often weren't able to do so. Um, you know, there are some really hard to see images. Uh, here you see some shackles. There is a, we actually have a content warning on a, a spoon, a decorative spoon, which looked like it would be at a tea party. But if you push a button and, and shine a light on it, you'll see that there's a lynching uh, depicted mm. etched in that spoon. Mm. And we were really careful to make sure that in telling that story, uh, we had a little bit of a content warning so people before they see it uh, can make the choice whether they want to light that up or not. Well, in the study of um, the history of Kentucky at Kentucky Humanities, we do a lot and read a lot. I, I just see a couple of names that I'm not familiar with. Maybe you could tell me about uh, Jim uh, Kesey, Jim Kesey, and was a, Edward Stone. Yeah, Kesey was a slave owner uh, who lived in in Davis County, uh, and he was notorious for being very violent with his enslaved people that he owned. Mm. Uh, several of those people retaliated and, and ultimately strangled him to death. So that's a, a oh, little more detail in the revolt that we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. Uh, Edward Stone, a Kentucky slave owner who was known for keeping his enslaved people shackled under his house. Uh, and in 1826, he, his nephew, and three other white men transported 77 enslaved people south towards Mississippi. Uh, they revolted and, and they killed uh, the white men. So there are examples uh, of uh, those uh, revolting moments. Uh, most of the time, they were temporary um, because it was, uh, even though the, the country was often divided, on a lot of these things. The laws that were in place um, protected the slave owners at the time. So, um, yeah, I'm reading a fascinating book right now about George Washington mm -hmm. uh, in the conflict of George Washington mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, who, who was a slave owner and didn't free his slaves until his last will and testament uh, and, the, and the discussion about, you know, why didn't he do it sooner? Could we have become an evolved society sooner? Um, or was it because there was political will in the South and, 
you know things mm -hmm. had to, like in today's world sometimes they uh, take more time than people would be comfortable with and uh, even in these times uh, this uh, particular uh, information is in, is titled the reality of slavery in Kentucky so what people have to come to grips with um, is that there there was slavery here in great numbers and uh, it needs to be discussed reckoned with and taught yeah. in uh, our school system uh, our Kentucky history is uh, overlooked and uh, this is part of I, I think uh, their uh, the education of, of all of us but of young people especially so uh, that's where it has to start Bill. Yeah. I mean uh, uh, black people didn't come here at their, uh, on their own will they came to Kentucky as enslaved people that changes everything you know it wasn't a willful exploration they came as enslaved explorers or they came as enslaved property and um, so they didn't have a say they didn't have the opportunity to own land they didn't have the opportunity to take advantage of some of the things that the government was making available for others which is if you build a structure and you plant corn you can have the land mm. um, those opportunities you know were only again uh, for white men um, we get into this next gallery and it talks about the war that we all know fought these many principles, the Civil War in Kentucky, and I, there's no more impactful state than the Commonwealth and the Civil War story. We're looking right now at the Blodner Monument, the oldest surviving monument of the Civil War in the world, and it is positioned in this exhibit right in front of an original Confederate flag. This monument was, at, was originally in Indiana, it was brought to Cave Hill Cemetery, it was uh, taken down and preserved. Uh, at the University of Louisville in 2008. It was brought here to the Fraser in 2010 and is now a permanent part of this exhibit. Uh, and we can't move it because it's so heavy. It's got to be at a certain point on the floor. Yeah, I would <laughs> say it's a good uh, six feet long, probably at the base. Uh, how much do you think that uh, the, the stone implement on top would weigh? Well, I have the specs upstairs. I could give you Huge. a guesstimate on it, but yeah. it is a big piece and I know that um, we buy, it's, it's technically on loan from the federal government, but it's a 40-year loan. We int yeah. intend to keep it here at the Fraser. They don't want it back, but we can't have it on this floor or any other place than exactly where it is right now. There's some uh, encryption on it. Uh, can you tell me what, what, what that is? Or Yeah, it, it, it uh, represents an infantry that was working, a, a Union infantry that was in Indiana at the time that was ambushed and killed and, and represents, um, I, I don't know how many people, but a number of people that were attacked and slaughtered. Yeah, uh, big map of, um, of Kentucky here. And uh, uh, of course, Abraham Lincoln's uh, famously said, uh, I hope to have God on my side, uh, but I must have Kentucky. Uh, one of his, probably maybe his most well-known quote, I don't know. But uh, describe what these are battles uh, that occurred. Yep, and and Lincoln, um, you know, my favorite president. Many people in Kentucky's favorite president uh, because he was, you know, he took this original concept of America as the 16th president and really, you know, we're still struggling today. Don't get me wrong; we don't have true equality everywhere. But he. Uh, 
he made sure that every American uh, had, uh, by law, uh, the freedom to um, be, be uh, recognized as the Constitution recognizes every person. Um, and, and again, I mentioned Washington. He, he, he was struggling with those things. The words on the paper didn't really represent everyone that was here. Um, and, and Lincoln, uh, informed by, frankly, the slave trade here on the Ohio River, just a couple of miles from where we are right now, uh, and, and, you know, saw it as inhumane and, uh, you know, staked his career and, and really the future of the nation on that belief. Let's um, quickly, because I think there are a lot of people that probably don't realize that Kentucky had a number of capitals. Uh, it certainly wasn't always in Frankfurt, um, but tell us a little bit about uh, the information that they can receive when they come to this part of the exhibit. Well, Kentucky, there was a time where Kentuckians had uh, a representative in essentially every presidential election. It was, uh, it was westward expansion and it was opportunity. Uh, there are all kinds of things. There's a, 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 a representation in the, in the next little gallery about Kentucky. Governor Goebel was the only governor ever assassinated in the United States of America. Um, he was a Kentuckian. Um, and, you know, you know, we talked about Lincoln and Jefferson Davis grew up just miles and, and, and were born just a couple of years from each other in the state of Kentucky. And here's this conflict of the Civil War yeah. uh, and this uh, idea of, you know, states' rights versus this union. Are we going to be a union? Are mm -hmm. we going to be a representation as a whole that uh, represents all people? Look, we're still having these discussions today. Well, I'm not a historian, but I, um, we, as I said, at Kentucky Humanities try to learn um, as much as we can about the history of the state. And uh, this is another term, the Wild Riders, and I, I'm, I'm not uh, best known Union military unit. Yeah, the first Kentucky Cavalry, and you know, that's what I love about your job, Bill. <laughs> you know, you're a journalist like yeah. me. Every time you go to work, you get to learn new yeah. things. Uh, but this was a unit in 1861 organized under the command of Colonel uh, Frank Lane Wolford, uh, and, and one of the third as well as the commanders who were from Casey County. Uh, and they came, uh, others came from eight surrounding counties. They became known for their skill in the battle and their ability to fight against guerrilla warfare tactics uh, in the Civil War. Well, it's all uh, fascinating. Why don't we just continue our stroll and uh, you take me in uh, yeah, to just, the next area. Because we've talked a lot about, um, you know, these figures that we all know, but we also wanted to represent you know, typical life. This is a, a, a Union soldier. This is a Union soldier um, uh, uniform and what he would have carried with him in his pack. Uh, and it's fascinating because some of these things, you know, you and I take camping with us today. There's a deck of cards there, right? <laughs> some of the things to do to pass time and there's shaving kits and, and pipes and canteens and and clocks. Well, it's a lot more than uh, than you would think. Yeah. Uh, with a very small, probably uh, knapsack or backpack. Yeah, yeah. a little pack there yeah. and, and, and a blanket. Um, but this was how a Union soldier would have traveled during the war. Some of these things, again, we relate to today, and some of these things, 
you know, you mm -hmm. think, oh my gosh, how does, does someone yeah. live like that? This is a cool uh, little artifact here that we got. This is, this box here um, is a ballot box uh, that a soldier would have used during the war to vote. Uh, and you see the, the black and the white marbles there. Um, and uh, those ballot boxes mm -hmm. were used out in the field to uh, allow um, soldiers to vote. Uh, this is farm life in Kentucky. So these are, this is a corn shoot and uh, this is one of my favorites here. This is a, a canary cage. For the so coal mine? The, for the coal mine. Really? Yeah. So there really was a canary in the coal mine. There was a canary in the coal mine, and this is a cage that was used to have a canary in it. And, you know, if the canary died, because the gas is because obviously they have much smaller lung capacity, if the canary died, get the heck out. <laughs> There's something going wrong in the, yeah. in the coal mine. This is the piece I told you about a little bit earlier. Um, Yes. With the sensitive the, the, content uh -huh. warning, Silver Spoon depicting the lynching of Tom Brown in Nicholasville. And uh, we again allow people, if they want to light it up, you can see uh -huh. um, what, what is depicted. See the engraving, yeah. On that spoon. Yeah. Well, it, um, it continues on uh, with so much and so many old pictures that you've collected uh, life for the newly free. So there's there's a real emphasis. Uh, we passed a, another uh, piece of information that said uh, slavery ends in Kentucky and, and then uh, this one, life for the newly freed. So there, there was life after, but um, uh, they still struggled. Yeah, um, you know, opportunity came slower uh, and is, is still, many would argue, slow. Uh, because when you're starting so far behind, um, you know, you've got a lot to make up. But there are some very well-intentioned people and some, some great historic stories of people who overcame some of those things very early on, as early as the um, mid-1800s. 1800, uh, and we tell those here, um, there is a uh, funeral ribbon from when we talked about Goebel. That was the, so, so far, I'm sorry, I'm blabbering a little bit there's just so much contact yeah. farmers and labor unions yeah. are represented there's this uh general store which is a representation of a country store you can uh -huh. go into you know in monticello kentucky right now or yeah uh, and kids can come in here not many of them still left though no we went yeah. into one just the other day and oh did you and yeah yeah down in that area was it right? oh, okay 1275 there between somerset and monticello no kidding uh, but this is governor goble again yeah. the first and only uh u.s governor to be assassinated in office and this is uh, uh, a shawl that was draped across his coffin um this is we end the exhibit with uh, a 1900s bar, <laughs> which is named in honor of our founder. It's called the Night Owl, Night with a K, uh -huh. because Owsley Brown Frazier uh, was fond of the, the historical arms. Uh, so we named this the Night Owl, and this is a typical bar you look into in, yeah. in the year 1900. We do, uh, <laughs> we do bourbon tastings and, uh, and have rental opportunities in here. Uh, but again, we think that whether you're Chinese American, Japanese American, you know, immigration is covered here. Uh, no matter who you are, when you come to the Commonwealth Divided We Fall, 
you will see yourself represented inside. Yeah, right to vote. Um, Andy, w with all of this and uh, it being uh, fairly uh, new uh, and open uh, to the public, what do you want people to come away with uh, once they go through the exhibit and, and maybe take some time to reflect on what they've seen? Yeah, well, you know, history is, is tricky, but uh, our founder said that, you know, it, it, we need to use history to inform us to make better decisions in, in the future. And there's no judgment in this exhibit. Um, it is simply laying out there all the truths to the best of our knowledge uh, through the research that we've done. It is all a part of who we are. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, this is humankind going back to the very beginning of time. If you try to whitewash it, if you try to sanitize it, you're not telling a true representation. Um, and, and this is the Commonwealth. And uh, we have a lot in this exhibit that, that we can be proud of as a people. And we also have some other things that we can learn from and make sure that we never repeat some of the mistakes that we've made in history. Uh, I think people are gonna walk through it and uh, they're gonna have many discoveries. Uh, they're gonna feel like uh, they're a part of this state and, and hopefully they're gonna walk home and have interesting conversations with their loved ones about you know, who we are and, and what we do and why we are the way we are. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 50 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.